sound or shout that word to everyone on the streets of Sydney. You've got to meet it. Where will you spend eternity? And this this proved crucial to uh, Stace's decision to tell other people about his faith. And uh, he, he, in an interview, he said that uh, eternity was ringing through his brain and suddenly he began, he began crying and felt a powerful call from the Lord to write the word eternity. Even though he's illiterate and could hardly write his own name legibly, the word eternity came out smoothly in a beautiful copper plate script. I couldn't understand it and I still can't, he, he said. And so several mornings a week for the next 35 years, Stace woke up at 4 o'clock a.m. around the streets of Sydney to chalk the word eternity on footpaths, doorsteps, railway station entrances, and anywhere else he could think of. And so workers arriving in the city would would see this word freshly written, but not the writer. And and the man who writes eternity in quotes became a, a legend in Sydney. He still is. The Sydney City Council brought him to the attention of the police as they had rules about defacing of pavements, so much that he narrowly avoided arrest about 24 times. But it's estimated that he wrote this word eternity in Sydney, Australia, over half a million times in 35 years. Eternity. Eternity. Is there an ordinance in Chihuahua, uh, Madam Mayor, uh, (laughs) that would prevent us from doing that? I think it's a good idea. Anyway, yeah, so this this photo has been in my mind, and I I think of it from time to time. Yeah, many many times as a result, I've, I've been reminded that I need to keep an eternal perspective you know, the things of the world are passing away, we're told. They're, they're fading away. They're, they're perishable. You know, anything of eternal significance relies on our God, who's the eternal God, and our focus needs to be on Him. And though the word eternity doesn't appear in today's text, it does appear at the very end of the book, but that notion of eternity really frames this passage, and that's what, I, that's what I want to pull out. That's what I want for us to see today as we, uh, as we read 1 Peter 1, 17 through 25. 1 Peter 1, 17 through 25. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout your time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from a futile way inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God." Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. Let's let's pray. Uh, Father, as we open up your word, I pray that you uh, give us uh, eager hearts to, to learn from you, Lord. Teach us what you want us to know this morning. Help us, Lord, to uh, keep our eyes and our hearts on the things of heaven rather than the things of earth which, uh, which pass away, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being our eternal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to say uh, let's, three things. Let's, let's keep an eternal perspective in our conduct, in our salvation, and in our obedience. We'll cover each of those as we go along. So keeping an eternal perspective in our, in our, in our conduct. You know, this is living for eternity. God has put eternity in our hearts, so writes the, uh, the author of Ecclesiastes. You know, we have a, we have an, a sense of eternity in our, in our lives. We, we possess an innate knowledge that there's something more to life than what we can see and experience in, in the here and now. You know, verse, verse 17, this verse, first verse has several things we need to look at. You know, this continues the thought of where we left off last time. Let me, let me just back up a few verses. Uh, Peter says, Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. And so then as we continue on with verse 17, he's saying, okay, then if you're a child of God and if you have a relation with him, a relation of obedience where you call him Father, Heavenly Father, here's what you need to do. You know, maybe maybe the first question we need to ask is, uh, what, is it, what does it mean to call on him? Let's, let's dwell on that here for, for a minute. You know, there are many places in the Old and New Testaments where it talks about calling on God or calling on the, the name of the Lord. Uh, the, the first mention in this scripture is way back in Genesis uh, 4.24. Uh, to Seth also was born, and he, and he called his name Enosh, and at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. You know, this means that people began to uh, worship God corporately, uh, seeking the help of, of their creator God. You know, calling on the name of the Lord is, is basic for our, for our salvation. You know, it, it presupposes faith in, in Jesus Christ. He promises to uh, to save those who call on his name. You know, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, will be saved, he says in Romans. Paul does. God commands us to call on him in times of trouble. I'll give you these verses. Uh, Romans 10, 13, Psalm 50, 15. Uh, calling on the name of the Lord is, is to be a lifelong pursuit, according to Psalm 116, 2. And you know what? When we call on the name of the Lord, we are embarking on eternity. 
you know, the model prayer that, that Jesus gave us, how did that start out? Our Father, yes, we're calling on the Lord. We're calling on the name of the Lord when we, when we say our Father. You know, calling on him is, is the essence of, of prayer. You know, as Christians, we're to be known as those who, who call on the Lord. First Corinthians begins right in the first verse, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and, and ours. Now, Peter adds that our, that our father is as an impartial judge. You know, he judges each of us according to our deeds. And what he's saying is if, the, if believers call on our father who is the one who, who judges indiscriminately, uh, penetratingly, absolutely honestly, then we must live in fear of God for he is altogether holy and, and he'll judge righteously, justly. You know, he says, if, if you call on him who, as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, the main verb of this, this uh, command is conduct yourself. It, it's, uh, it's a word that just means live. This, this uh, command essentially, literally says, live in fear. Live in fear. Uh, this, this word for fear, the Greek word is phabos. You know, we, we hear, you know, technophobe or aquaphobe or whatever. You know, it, it's fear. It, it can mean terror or fright, but it also means reverence and respect. And that's the sense that, that we see it here. He's saying live your lives in, as strangers in, in reverent fear reverence and awe at an awesome and, and holy God. You know, this is, this is not a picture of a person who's, uh, you know, paralyzed by fright and, and timidity. You know, it's a, it's a person who knows his right, rightful place before a holy God, you know, not only in thought, but in, in deed. Conduct your, conduct your lives, conduct yourselves in fear, in reverence, in awe of, of God. You know, I think that uh, reverence and, and respect is something that's missing in our society. Um, you know, we, we, we see a tremendous lack of respect for, for people. Uh, we, we, see, uh, we, see, we see it missing. There's an absence of, of uh, reverence. You know, we, we don't want to be held accountable to anyone, right? Let alone God. Uh, but God's word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That's the starting point, uh, a reverential awe towards our creator and, and our redeemer. That's the beginning of wisdom. Without that, we're fools. So I'd like to reemphasize this matter of obedience. We're to be obedient children. We cannot play fast and loose with God's word. We can't argue and reason our way around God's commands. And we'll be getting back to this in a little while on our third point. But we have the privilege of calling on our father who's unlike any earthly father. You know, our earthly fathers will have and will disappoint us. 
Sometimes they're capricious. Sometimes they just get tired and cranky. Whatever. Our Father in heaven is impartial. His, his judgment is flawless. And we can approach him through Jesus Christ. We can call on him as our Father. That's good news. Peter again reminds us that we're strangers, we're we're exiles. He had said that real early on, I think in the first verse or two. You know, exiles who are uh whose whose permanent home is not on earth. You know, we're we're resident aliens on, on earth. You know, our our ter- our eternal perspective reminds us of the temporary setup that we have here as resident aliens, reminds us of our true citizenship in heaven. And, and he ties this in with this reverent conduct, you know, emphasizing that relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father that gives us this special status of being exiles and, and strangers. You know, God has placed us here with a purpose. We're to live with that purpose in mind. You know, we're here as his, his representatives, his ambassadors. We're here to, to speak and proclaim on, on his behalf. Our life's belong to him and you know our our worth in this world lies in the fact that we are here to bear witness to his excellence excellency to his salvation you know, our, our reverent fear comes from uh, understanding our redemption you know knowing our salvation this is point number two knowing our salvation through or or by our, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, why do we conduct ourselves with fear on this earth as, as strangers? It's because we belong to God. We, we know that we have the assurance of his salvation. We know what God has done for us you know, by the finished work of, of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. You know, we know that without him, we're nothing. While we were yet enemies of, of God, he sent his only son to, to die for us. You know, we, we've done nothing to deserve his favor. Paul, the apostle, or excuse me, Peter says we've been ransomed. We've been ransomed. This, this word ransom means to, uh, to liberate from an oppressive situation. You know, think of a slave being liberated. You know, we were, we were captives. We were in slavery to sin. But Jesus is the liberator. Peter, excuse me. One Sabbath, Jesus was uh, speaking in the synagogue. He was, he was asked to read uh, from the scripture. They were, they were in the book of Isaiah. And um, in Luke... 418, this, this story is relayed. Jesus got up and he, he read the following. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he just rolled up the scroll, handed it back, and, and everyone was looking at him. And what did he say? He said, this day, scripture has been fulfilled in in your view, in your hearing. Liberty to the the oppressed. I love that. We were 
redeemed. We were, we were purchased with a, a price, a very dear price, the blood of Jesus Christ. And this oppressive situation was the uh, futile ways inherited from our forefathers, according to Peter here. You know, we can, we can get some insight of this by what Paul says in uh, Ephesians four seventeen through 20. He said, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in futility of their minds. For they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is not the way you learned Christ. You know, this, this, this futility, uh, the, the, the word refers to being of, of no use, uh, being, being idle, empty, fruitless, uh, useless, powerless, lacking truth. A lot, a lot of words there. But we've been redeemed from this, this empty life that's been handed down, you know, this, this empty life, this vain life of worldly wisdom and, and dead religion, sinful habits. You know, Jesus came to die to pay the penalty for our sin, you know, the just for the unjust, the, the sinless for the sinful. Peter says he was forsaken, or excuse me, let me, let me back up. He was foreknown, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So your faith and hope are in God. Jesus is our eternal Lord and Savior. You know, our redemption in him was and is in God's plan, you know, since before the beginning. The whole Bible is God's, the the unfolding of God's plan of redemption of, of a sinful world. In, in Revelation, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is the Word who was with God and was God. All things were created by him. In Colossians, he, was, he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. This is our eternal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So finally... Keep an eternal perspective by being obedient to the eternal word of God. Peter begins with obedience to the command to to love one another. He says, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. So we, we have this sequence here. These things go together, obedience, a pure heart, and love. You know, the, this is, by the way, the third mention of the word obedience so far in this letter. That's a big theme, eternity, obedience. We, we see Peter brings things up over and over again. But if we're truly obedient to God, we're going to have purity of heart. You know, we're to, we're to be holy. We're to be set apart for God. You know, we should want to be pure and, and holy for him. You know, Isaiah talks about people who perhaps are, are saying the right things, but they're just going through the motions. 
worshiping for, for the wrong reasons, lacking purity of heart towards him. It says, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says, this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. You know, if our obedience is true, we're going to have a pure heart towards God and it's going to show itself in sincere brotherly love. This is not a this is not a love that's for show. You know, it's not a it's not a love that's conditional on my brother's conformity to my own personal agenda. You know, it's a it's an earnest love, it's a sincere love from a pure heart. And we, we need to just keep coming back to that commandment of love. That's the, the greatest commandment, loving God, loving people, loving one another. You know, James, James calls this commandment to love the royal law. You know, it's, it's the law of, of the kingdom of God. It's the law of King Jesus. You know, it's, it's the law that, that's been laid down by our king, and we need to be obedient. And out of... Out of, obe- out of obedience uh, will come love. These things just come together. Pure heart, obedience, love. Uh, Pastor Roy Ortland, he writes, the kind of God we really believe in is revealed in how we treat one another. The lovely gospel of Jesus positions us to treat one another like royalty, and every non-gospel positions us to treat one another like dirt. But we will follow through horizontally on what we believe vertically. He goes on to identify one another's that are not found in the New Testament. Listen to these. These are not found in the New Testament. Sanctify one another. Humble one another scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, defeat one another, sacrifice one another, shame one another, judge one another, run one another's lives, confess another's sins, intensify one another's sufferings, point out one another's failings. And I'll I'll quit there. We'll just say dot, dot, dot. Those are things that are not found in the New Testament. Peter says, love one another with a pure heart. This is an unhypocritical love. It's genuine. It's sincere. It's a love that flows from a heart which is in love with God. Not a false love that's driven by our own desires. It's it's a love that exists because we're members of God's family. Love is the very nature of of God. God is love. Peter says we must love one another from a pure heart. Why? Because we've been born again. We are the children of the king. What a great privilege. But what a great responsibility is it is to, to be a child of the king. God is love. We are to love one another. So this sincere love is not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's commanded. The Apostle Paul speaks along these same lines in his first letter to Timothy in, in uh, verses 1, 5 through 7. 
He says the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. The kind of people Paul is talking about here are people who've gone off into the weeds. They're speaking confidently, but uh, with unprofitable speculations. They're veering away from the truth, bringing division, bringing confusion into the church. They're desiring to be teachers of the law, putting their own agendas above all else, and they've abandoned that kind of love that's commanded. We cannot have that in the church. A lack of obedience And with it, a lack of love uh, comes from a heart that's overly focused on perishable things, non-eternal things. It's a it's a focus on self. I saw a video of a sermon by uh, Francis Chan. Perhaps uh, somebody in here has has seen that. He's in this this sermon. He's he's got a a rope and he's he's holding onto one end of this rope and. The rope's going off the end of the stage into, you know, past the door, and who knows how long that rope is. But he's saying this this rope represents eternity. And on the end that he was holding, there was a little piece of red tape, an inch long, right on the edge. He says, this inch is your life on earth. Why do we spend so much time worrying and fretting about this one inch? when we have eternity that we need to consider. Yeah, we need to think about this. Jesus said, what does it profit a person if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? Peter said in verse 18 that we were ransomed not with perishable things such as silver and gold. These are the things that pass away. These are the things that are so important to us. These are the things that we think are going to last forever. But you know, just look out in your garage, open a box and find out how something that is so valuable to you is sitting out there and is rotting away. I had a really nice pair of shoes like that and the, and the the rubber was was rotting and I'm just thinking oh man I should have worn those before now <laughs> these are the things that pass away you know these are the things that are contained in that one inch that that red tape on Francis Chan's rope you know he he continues along in this vein and in verse 23 he says that uh, we have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of god key here is the word of God. You know, we're, we're born again through the word of God. We're, we're drawn to God by his word. And what's the result? The result is obedience through the truth of the gospel. You know, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of, of his day spoke of how God's word was the word of life. Why? Because it speaks of him. He says, The Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, but his form you've 
His voice you have never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. God's word brings us to Jesus. God God's word brings us life when we listen to it, when we obey it. You know, Paul, Paul's writing supports this. In, in Romans, he says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, we're, we're not saved by things that are, are perishable, things that are subject to decay, things that are passing away and going to pass away, things that are just destined to destruction. You know, we're not saved by the fleeting philosophies of this world, which in the end will definitely be of no value. We're not saved by the uh, works that we do, the things that people will forget. Peter says in verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all of its glory is like the flower of grass, and the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And then he says, and this is the word that is the good news that was preached to you. God's word is eternal. God's word will stand the test of time. You know, in his word, he reveals himself in his word, we find all that we need for salvation. We find all that we need to live the Christian life. We're born again by God's grace and through trust in, in the living word, through faith in the Lord Jesus. What an amazing thing that our God would reach down to us who were dead in our sins, give us the offer of, of new birth, that, that, that he would give us eternal life, that we ourselves would not be perishable, that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, that, that we would enjoy his preservation. He, he would hold us and keep us for eternity. That's good news. So we're, we're strangers and exiles here. Let's never forget that. It's so easy to be caught up in the day-to-day things that we do the day-to-day issues and struggles and good things and bad things and just focus and lose sight of eternity. It's so easy for us to do. We must not lose our perspective, though. Our lives are passing away. But he's given us eternal life. So let's... Let's ask ourselves, what, what are the things that, that are going to endure? What are the things that really are important? What are the things that really have eternal significance? What are, what are the things that I should be concerned with right now? You know, let's, let's let our conduct reflect the reality of our life in, in Jesus Christ, who is our eternal Savior He's he's the one who was before the beginning. His precious blood, imperishable, ransomed us. He's given us eternal life.
you know, since our new birth is of the imperishable word of God, let's obey it. Let's, let's obey his commandment to love one another with, with sincerity, with earnestness, with a pure heart. You know, a heart that's uh, made pure by obedience to him, by obedience to his eternal will to us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we call on you this morning uh, with, with reverence and, and awe. Uh, you, you are holy, Father. There, there's none like you. None like you, Lord. Uh, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for eternal life through, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, Lord, if, if there be one in here today who does not have eternal life, who, who doesn't know you, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would give them an eye towards eternity. Lord, I pray that they will believe in Jesus Christ today for their salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins. And Lord, I pray that we all have an eternal perspective. Uh, Lord, let us live in obedience to you, complete and pure obedience to you, Lord, in sincere love towards, towards one another. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would incline our hearts to you and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. And we'll finish the day with hymn 560, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. Since we're in Isaiah, 
like to read a little lengthier passage than normal, but uh, it's a good one. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Amen.